you felt peace in the valley you made where you're not meant to be where the shame throws shadows on you but don't you forget that you're headed to Good morning. Thank you for joining us today, whether you're live in person or online. Uh, for those of you that are joining us online, we have online hosts uh, available and waiting for the 9 o'clock service. If you just uh, click on that uh, top right button, uh, there's a request button that uh, you can press to have a private chat with an online host. You're welcome to participate in the chat all throughout the service as we go. And while you're with us, click on that connection card and just to let us know that you're here. 
So for our call to worship this morning, 1 Chronicles 16 says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Let's stand and raise our voices to that great God.
66, 1 through 4 says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worship you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Let us continue to worship together.
Oh, dear Heavenly Father, as we sang about your greatness, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal it to us how great you are, Lord, and how worthy you are of our worship. So as we prepare to hear your message, Lord, I pray that you would just have our hearts right and our minds only focused on you, Lord, so that you would speak to us. So I pray that you'd be with the pastor as he speaks. I pray that you everyone that's listening that they could hear, Lord. So I pray that you would just show us another glimpse of your glory this morning as we go through this message. All these things in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, you can be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. My name is Richard. I'm the lead pastor of Springbrook. This is your first time with us. Uh, we are certainly glad that you are here. If you're watching with us uh, online, um, up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a place for you to click uh, an online connection card. We'd love the opportunity um, to be able to hear from you this morning. Um, on the uh, screen there, you've got a place you can click uh, for prayer requests. Uh, if you're watching during our first service this morning, we've got online hosts that would love the opportunity uh, to pray with you, uh, answer any questions that you might have. And if you are a regular attender at Springbrook, we're glad that you're with us as well. If you are in person with us this morning, you've got a connection card that's in the chair uh, next to you. If you could just uh, take a moment to fill that out, we'd love the opportunity to hear from you. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, you can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing, but we are so glad that you are, are with us uh, this morning. I wanted to let you know that um, we are kicking off uh, our second service. This is a, a couple weeks we've got under our belt right now. Um, our children's ministry is now uh, open for the 11 a.m. service, and if you are interested in serving in our children's ministry, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. We've got uh, uh, our entire schedule filled out for the second service right now. We're praying about uh, filling in a couple of spots as we move towards Easter, and then uh, as we move towards the summer and start putting together plans um, for our 9 a.m. service, uh, there'll be opportunities for people to serve in that capacity as well. But if you're interested in, in serving in children's ministry or on our production team or our facilities team, um, as we move back towards in-person, as we start to uh, come back together, um, we have many opportunities for people to serve and connect, make friends, and uh, more importantly, build up and strengthen our body of Christ. And so if you have any questions about those opportunities, uh, you can go to our website, springbrook.org um, slash serve. Wanted to let you know for our Good Friday services, uh, that's coming together. We're going to be meeting on Good Friday at uh, 5.30 and 7 p.m. And uh, we've been working on that service for a while. And it is going to be so much fun for us to be able to come together as a church family as we prepare um, for Easter. And so we're going to be hosting a communion uh, service on Good Friday. We've got some special things that we'll be sharing with you as we look at uh, Christ's uh, betrayal as he moves towards uh, crucifixion. And so we've got some things we're going to be sharing with you. And it's going to be a special time for us to be able to come together. Um, we are not going to be hosting children's ministry for Good Friday, so children will be with their parents. And so we're asking people if you could register uh, for that Good Friday service just to give us an idea of uh, which service we need to focus our attention on um, with the attendance. Right now, we've been doing a pretty good job keeping things even between the two services. And so you guys have been doing a great job with that. Uh, but for our Good Friday service, we're asking people to, uh, to register. Uh, so you can go to our website. You can uh, download our app. If you haven't done that, uh, you can register from our app. Or you can just go to springbrook.org slash Good Friday. It'll take you right to registration. So if you've got any questions about that, uh, please let us know. For Easter, um, we are really excited about Easter. We've got a baptism service coming up um, next Sunday. We've got a baptism service that we're going to be doing midweek. We've got some exciting things that we're looking at as we move towards Easter. Uh, there again, um, we've been doing a pretty good job with our, our attendance between the two services, and so we're not requiring 
um, registration for our Easter services right now. We do have our children's ministry uh, at the 11 o'clock service, and so um, if you are, have kids and you want to put them in children's ministry, then that 11 o'clock service will be one that uh, you're probably interested in. If you want to keep your kids with you or you don't have children, um, then the 9 o'clock service might work best for you. But you can go to our website, all the information about our Easter services there. Um, I want to encourage you, you know, typically in Easter is a good time for us to be able to invite our friends, our family members to come to a, a church service. But you know, one of the things that we've learned this past year is that we have been doing a phenomenal job of engaging and making friends and talking about our faith in our communities as well. And so our goal is not to get everybody to come to our building. Our goal really is to equip and strengthen our church to be effective at doing ministry in their neighborhoods, their workplaces, and their homes. And so I want to encourage you as we approach the Easter, um, I just want to encourage you to think about maybe five friends that you can share the hope that you have in Christ with others. You know, think about five people that you might be able to share what Easter means to you. You know, think about Easter as an opportunity to invite your friends to watch a service online with us. And so our, both of our services will be live on Springbrook.live uh, on Easter Sunday. It's a great opportunity for you to engage and just invite people to check out Springbrook. It's a great opportunity for you to engage in spiritual conversations um, with your friends, your coworkers, and the people around you. Maybe host a watch party. If, you have, if you're getting comfortable with Facebook, you can do a watch, piter, a watch party. We're having a great time uh, on Springbrook.live as we engage with, engage with our uh, guests. But take this as an opportunity not just to invite people to church, but to engage in conversation with people around you. If you do have kids and you want to partic- you know, participate in children's ministry, you need to make sure to register your kids at springbrook.org slash kidscity uh, so you can make sure you have a space for them there. Hopefully, as we get a couple more teachers, we'll be able to open that space up and so you can register for uh, Kids City for your kids at uh, any point uh, for any of our services moving forward. But make sure that you register for Easter if you're interested in that. And if you have not downloaded our app yet, I really want to encourage you to do that. Um, you can text the word Springbrook app text those words um, to 77977, and you'll get a link um, to our app. It'll show up right on your device. You can download that. Everything that you need to know about Springbrook is uh, on, that, uh, on that app. You can register for events. You can register for Good Friday. You can register for your kids. Um, you get an opportunity to just you know, connect to a small group at Springbrook. Um, our app is a great way for us to engage. And I just want to make sure that if you search for your, on that for your own, when we first rolled out our app, there's another Springbrook church that's south of us. And so um, I was talking to somebody this week, and it was a reminder for me to, hey, when you're looking for our app, make sure you look at Springbrook Church, not just Springbrook, because they've got an S in everything. They're blue, we're green. So just make sure you get the right app. But if you'll text us, Springbrook app to that 77977, we'll drop it right on your device. It's a great way to stay connected. We are so glad that you are with us. We're in a series looking at the law and the cross as we move towards Easter. It's been exciting to hear um, how God's been at work uh, through our congregation through this series. As I've heard stories about um, some of the great things that God's been doing as we move through the book of Leviticus. Um, we have one of our families, Don and Sonia Noren. They've been a bedrock family for us in Springbrook for many years. In fact, they were leading our prayer ministry. They were small group leaders. And uh, they have uh, had an opportunity to move uh, to be closer to their grandkids. But Don and Sonia both, before they left, I wanted to be able to share their story about where God's been at working. And we're going to get to hear from Sonia a little bit later, a couple of weeks. But uh, this morning, we want to share with you uh, a story that Don wanted to share with you uh, before he left, just about where God's been working in his life uh, and through this church. So enjoy this video, and then Pastor Tim's going to be out in just a moment. All right, my name is Don Noren, and uh, Sonia and I came to Springbrook about 11 years ago. Uh, we were going to another church a struggling church, 
and uh, we knew a couple people that went to Springbrook and they recommended it highly and uh, one Sunday we almost didn't make it home from the other church in January because of the snow and uh, so the next week we came here and we went from a struggling church to a thriving church and we sensed right away that God was in it. We, uh, in His providence, He had us sit exactly where the seniors all sat. And I was amazed. There was full of seniors here. And uh, we met many of them. And I thought, this is going to be a good church for us, a good fit for us. I think the second week we were here, uh, Dave Billings asked us to join his small group. So we did that. And it was much too large a small group at that time. And Pastor Rich came over and talked to the small group. And he said that we need to birth a new, another small group. And uh, we had never, Sonia and I had never done that before. But we felt that God was calling us to do that. So we volunteered to do that. And I was with much fear and trepidation that I said yes. And uh, it wasn't long before we were facilitators in a small group. And there's other things that went along with it. Uh, we became part of the prayer team and, and uh, we were blessed to be part of that. And uh, I know Sonia has been praying for some time about perhaps moving to uh, one of our kids. Uh, so we began to pray about that and then uh, we made it a decision to do that. And God has a funny way I, of doing things sometimes because I, I gave God an out. I told him that if you don't want us to go to Kalamazoo, don't let us sell the house. We put it for sale. The first person that came through bought the house. And so once again, God showed me how little my faith is, first of all, but he whispered in my ear, how is that for an answered prayer? I mean, be, because we've been here and been involved and, uh, and we've enjoyed it, and we've made so many friends. Uh, at first, I hoped we would make a couple of friends, but we ended up making so many friends, I, I, I couldn't name them all. And we've been, they've been a blessing to us, and we certainly are gonna miss Springbrook and but we we will continue to pray for uh, this ministry, Lord, here that uh, the Lord has put uh, in our hearts, Lord, permanently. It's tattooed in my heart. That's my story. Well, good morning. It's uh, good to be. Back with you again this Sunday morning as we uh, get ready to open God's Word together. But as we get ready to do that, I, I wonder, have you ever found yourself in a situation where uh, you've been surprised by the way that somebody has addressed you? I mean, a, a little bit like uh, on those times that I've experienced where, where uh, I'll walk into a room and someone will say, ah, uh, good morning, Mr. Beavis. And I look around and I'm like, I didn't know my dad was going to be joining me. 
Or perhaps you've been at work and you've been there and you have a whole team meeting and, uh, and, and your boss is making some announcements and then they, and then they say, and, and this morning we're going to hear uh, the expert perspective on this and you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's great, I'm going to learn something new here this morning. And then all of a sudden you realize that you're supposed to be the expert that they're talking about. You know, there are times when we, uh, when we find ourselves in a situation. Uh, as I travel to different places around the world, I sometimes experience this in different cultures because it's not unusual as I go from place to place uh, for as soon as I arrive there, all of a sudden to be grabbed and they'll, t- they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, oh, you're going to preach in a minute or, or we want you to speak to these people with no, no planning, no preparation whatsoever. And, uh, and, and oftentimes they'll get up and in a very gracious and respectful way say something like, ladies and gentlemen, we are so blessed by the Lord this morning. We have a, a man of God who is here. And he, as the messenger of the Lord, has something which God has to say to each one of you. And I'm thinking to myself, um, I think you have me confused with someone else. But there are times in our lives when we find ourselves feeling a little bit like the expectations that are being placed upon us are more than we can bear, where, where, where somebody is thinking or speaking about us in a way that we look at it and it's like, huh, you've got to have me confused with someone else. And maybe there are times when we open God's word, the Bible, and uh, as we're reading through it, we feel very much the same way. We read through it and we think to ourselves, um... God, are you talking to me here? Because my life doesn't look a whole lot like what I'm reading here. And especially perhaps in times when we find ourselves gazing down at the book of Leviticus. We maybe find ourselves reading and we think, Lord, I don't think I even understand what this says, but I'm pretty sure I'm not doing it. And we feel in that moment this sense of weight, this sense of wonder as we hear words and yet see the great gap that exists between those and our lives. You know, one of the things as we study together in this series that we're calling The Law and the Cross through the Old Testament book of Leviticus is that we are being reminded once again of of the greatness of our God, that he is eminently worthy to be worshipped, that those who are his people are to live every moment, all the time, in every way, in worship and reverence to him. But we're also reminded, as we're going to see together this morning, that our lives, in and of ourselves, always fall short of God's perfect and holy and glorious standard. But the good news is that what we could not do for ourselves, 
God has graciously done for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And even though the book of Leviticus may be in the Old Testament, I want to suggest to you, and I hope you've seen this as Pastor Rich and as Pastor Matt have preached these last couple of weeks, that ultimately, even there, right towards the beginning of the Old Testament, we already see the splendor of Christ on the horizon. So if you've got a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And specifically, we're going to look at a series of passages beginning in Leviticus chapter 19 and then building from there into 20, 21, and 22. Don't worry, we're not going through all of those verses in depth. But it is necessary that we see what God is doing doing how he is communicating to his people so that we can grasp what it is that he has to say to us today. So as you're turning there to Leviticus chapter 19, I apologize that uh, we lost some of the graphics in a little bit of a a, a technical issue this morning. But uh, uh, as you follow along in your copy of the Bible, uh, you'll see as we move through this together. And what we're going to discover is that our holy God calls his people to be holy and to live in a relationship to him by means of a holy mediator and a holy sacrifice. Now, there's a whole lot of holy in there, uh, but that's really the essence, in a sense, not only of these passages that we're going to look at this morning, but we could probably say that this is something of an overview, really, of the whole book of Leviticus, that our holy God calls his people to be holy and to live in a relationship to him by means of a holy mediator and a holy sacrifice. We're going to break that apart this morning so that we understand that and see why it is so significant to each one of us, wherever we may be this morning. In Leviticus chapter 19, for example, we begin reading in verse 1 and then verse 2, and he says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all of the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be Holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Uh, Through the book of Leviticus, uh, God has laid out a number of directions, of instructions for the people of how they can rightly come into his presence, how they are to live as a worshiping community before him. There's been various different steps along the way. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about a vitally important day, the annual day of atonement, where, where there was a covering over of sin as, as the, the, the sins were ceremonially, uh, symbolically kind of placed on this scapegoat. And it was a pointer to the fact that a, a sacrifice, that a substitution more specifically was needed uh, to bear sin. As as the instructions of the book continue, they uh, factor into every different area of life. But at the heart of it is this idea of the fact that God calls his people into a special relationship with himself. It started at the... Um, It started at Mount Sinai when God gave the law to them. And he called them a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. And here he makes clear to them that they are to be holy. Why? Because he, the Lord, their God, is holy. If you flip over the page into chapter 20, we see something similar. In chapter 20, beginning in verse 22, we see more instructions. It says, you shall therefore keep all of my statutes and all of my rules and do them 
that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I am driving out before you. For they did all of these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit this land, and I will give it to you to possess, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean, the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make for yourselves detestable, not make yourselves detestable by beasts or by bird or by anything which is on the ground that quarrels, which I have set apart for you to hold as unclean. You shall be to me, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and I have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So again, we see that same idea, that same instruction. And what we discover is that our God is holy and that he calls his people to be holy. This was something that the people of Israel needed to understand as they entered into this covenant relationship with God. Now, we've talked about this before, but when we speak of the fact that God is holy, we are speaking about the fact that he is like no other There is none that compares with God. He is absolutely perfect in every way. He is utterly pure. There is no stain. There is no taint of evil with him. He is glorious in his holiness. In fact, the holiness of God, though we could spend a great deal of time talking about it, we would still be left in the place where we cannot truly fathom it, because there is no one holy like our God. There is nothing that we can compare him to. He is utterly other. And yet here, the instruction is, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And and for many of us, we read an instruction like that, and I've got to believe that the people of Israel, as they heard these words, as God instructed them through Moses, probably felt much the same way. Uh, Our immediate reaction is probably, uh, God, do you know who you're talking to? Um, Because I I don't really feel very holy. I'm not sure that that's really a very realistic expectation. I mean, part of the problem with holiness is that you can't be holy one moment and then not holy the next. Holiness is a permanent state of being, right? And, and, and we all know, I mean, there are, there are those magnificent moments in our life where we actually get something right. And they are tempered by those other common moments in our life where we mess up. We have to go back and apologize. We have to go back and redo it. We, we know what it is to oscillate between doing well with something and not doing well with something. Well, when it comes to holiness, we're, we're stuck. We're done. God is not holy some of the time. He is holy all of the time. And if we are to be holy as he is holy... That is something that is far beyond our ability. But he explains here, he goes further, and he shows us that there are several important truths in this. You see, the first is to be in a relationship with a holy God requires holiness. 
What's more, uh, those who are in relationship with a holy God are supposed to reflect his holy character to a watching world. As we saw in chapter 20, those who are in relationship to a holy God are, are set apart. That is that they are distinct from the world around them. This is something that is difficult for us to grasp, especially in the midst of a culture and a world which says, don't rock the boat, just fit in and do like everybody else does. Living as set-apart people seems weird to a watching world. And one of the great challenges of the Christian life is that we don't want to be weird. We don't really want to stand out. I mean, maybe in some ways we do. Some of us crave to look at me, everybody. But we don't really want to stand out for being distinct. And yet, that's what God is talking about here. But the problem that we have with this holy calling, the problem that the people of Israel had that the book of Leviticus is dealing with here is when God says, be holy, therefore, as I, the Lord your God, am holy, our problem is that we may be called to be holy, but we're not holy. And so, here in this section of the book of Leviticus, and in fact, really throughout this section, or this book as a whole, we see how God so graciously points the people to the remedy to this problem. And, and, and his, the remedy that he points them to is actually in itself pointing them to the ultimate remedy. Which we'll see in just a moment. And so as, as we go on through this section, we come to, uh, we move from chapter 19 and chapter 20, which really has to do with the set apart, this holy living that they're called to. And then beginning in, in the middle of chapter 20, beginning in verse, uh, uh, I'm sorry, at the beginning of chapter 21, beginning in chapter 21, verse 1, and then going on for a whole chapter and a half, we see that a right relationship with this holy God required a holy mediator. And so the problem was, God says, you are to be holy, therefore, as I, the Lord your God, am holy. The problem was that we're not holy. The people of Israel are not holy. And therefore, they needed somebody who was holy to stand in the gap between them and God. And God gave to the nation of Israel priests. Uh, we see this here. If you look at chapter 21, uh, we've seen the priests earlier in the, in the book of Leviticus, but begins by saying, And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priests, to the sons of Aaron, and say to them, No one shall make himself unclean for the dead among his people, except for his close relatives, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister, who is near to him because she has no husband. Uh, for her he may make himself unclean. He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people, and so profane himself. They shall not make bold patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of the beard, nor make any cuts on their body. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the Lord's food offerings, the bread of their God. Therefore, they shall be holy. And for the next chapter and a half, it goes on with specific instructions about what the priests may and may not do in order that they might be holy, that they might be set apart, that they might live to a higher standard before the Lord. Now, what God did in giving priests, specifically in calling one of the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi, 
And then from that tribe, one of the family lines through Aaron, the brother of Moses, he set apart this priestly family, this priestly line. And they were to live distinct lives, even amidst the distinct lives that the people of Israel as a whole were called to live. The priests were to be physical, visible representatives of God before the people and of the people before God. They were to be mediators who stood in the gap. They would present prayers on behalf of the people. They would present the offerings on behalf of the people. But they also would take the role like of spiritual leaders uh, um, representing God to the people. And so what we see is that God had called this people, this family line, these priests to serve as intermediaries. But while the, the whole people were supposed to be a holy people before God, in order for them to have this right relationship, this holy relationship with the holy God, they needed priests who would live holy lives. And so we see that there are even higher standards for the priests than there are for the people. But again, there's a problem here. And the problem is that in order to be in right relationship with God, in order to be holy as he is holy, we need somebody to stand in the gap for us. We need a mediator for us. The, the problem that the people of Israel had, the problem that still exists, is that none of our leaders measure up to that. None of them measure up to that. And so we're left in a precarious situation. In order to be in a relationship with a holy God, we have to be holy. If we can't be holy on our own, we need somebody to help us be holy. But there's nobody holy enough to help us be holy. And so, we then come to the other part of the provision that God made for his people. He made provision for them to have mediators and to see through those mediators that they needed a greater mediator still. But he also made provision for them to have a way of access into his presence. And that was through their worship and sacrifices. And so, we see that right relationship with this holy God also requires a holy sacrifice from his people. And so, if we turn the page one more time into Leviticus 22, we see the end of the instructions in Leviticus 22 about all of the different commands and instructions pertaining to the priests and how they are to live as clean and as holy. But then we get to verse 17 of, of chapter 22, and we read this. And the Lord spoke to Moses. In fact, every time in the book of Leviticus, we see a new section starting as, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all of the people of Israel and say to them, when anyone from the house of Israel or the sojourners in Israel presents a burnt offering as his offering for any of the vows or free will offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a male without blemish of the bulls or of the sheep or of the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish for it will not be acceptable for you. 
And when anyone offers a sacrifice or a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow as a freewill offering from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. You may present a bull or a lamb that has one part too long or too short for a free will offering, but for a vow offering, it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has a testicle bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to the Lord. You shall not do it within your land. Neither shall you offer as the bread of your God any such animals gotten from a foreigner, since there is a blemish in them because of their mutilation. They will not be accepted for you. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When an ox or a sheep or a goat is born, it shall remain seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day on it shall be acceptable as a food offering to the Lord. But you shall not kill the ox or the sheep and her young in one day. And when you sacrifice a a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that it may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day that you, uh, you shall leave none until the morning. I am the Lord. And then this section closes out. He says, so you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Whew. There's a lot in there, but this is serious business because a holy God requires and demands and is worthy of that which is holy and pure. And, and, and so we see here these offerings and we see all of these instructions pertaining to the, even the, the offerings of worship that are to be bought. Now, uh, throughout the book of Leviticus, there are a whole bunch of different offerings and different sacrifices that are being spoken of. And up here on the screen, you'll see just some of them. We see sin offerings and guilt offerings, burnt offerings and grain offerings, drink offerings, peace offerings, wave offerings. I like that one. Hi. Um, thank, <laughs> thank offerings and, and, and free will offerings. And actually, each one of these in different ways is distinct. But essentially, uh, for the sake of time, we can break them kind of into two categories. There are those that were required offerings, and there are those which were under this larger category of free will offerings. The required offerings in particular had to do with the issue of God's holiness. And this issue of the fact that God is holy, we are not. Therefore, there must be some sacrifice that is made to cover over our sin. And so that's why we've got sin and guilt offerings and burnt offerings that we read a lot about uh, in, uh, in, in the first books of the Bible, and in particular in the book of Leviticus. Then there were the free will offerings, which essentially were offerings which were, uh, which were over and above. And these really have to do with the mercy and the grace of God. They were expressions of thankfulness on behalf of the people. You didn't have to bring these. But there was a sense of a free will, of joyous worship. God, you have been so good to me. God, you have blessed me so abundantly. How can I not give back to you in praise? But anything that was bought had to be the best. 
anything that was bought before a holy God had to be perfect because God himself is holy and perfect. Leviticus 22 specifically mentions these burnt offerings, these peace offerings, these thank offerings, but it is concerned with the fact that since God is utterly holy, he deserves and requires a holy offering, a costly, perfect, and repeatedly it says, unblemished offering. You know, this was one of the issues that um, the people of Israel often had because even though they had the law, the instructions of the Lord, what they tended to do was take to God the leftovers. They would kind of look and it's like, oh, well, you know, that sheep looks like it's going to die next week. I'll take that one as an offering. That one, that bull, it's not producing any offspring. It's not worth anything to me. That one can be a sacrifice. The attitude was, why would we give our best to the Lord when something less might meet his requirement? And everybody would at least look and see that we're fulfilling the obligation of the offerings. And so by the time we get to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, we see Malachi addressing the people over this issue. Uh, he, is, he is calling out their sins, and they're kind of arguing back, and it's like, yeah, well, well, well how have we sinned? And he says, he says, you say, how have we despised your name, God, by offering polluted food upon my altar? But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept it from you and show you favor, says the Lord? No. You try taking that to your boss. You try taking that to the king. See if they'll like that sick, lame, deaf, dumb animal. How much more is it wrong that you would present that before the Lord? He is holy. In these chapters that we're quickly looking over, again, we see the problem. We need a holy sacrifice. We need a holy sacrifice to, 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 to open a way, to be a substitute for us to be able to come and enjoy intimacy of relationship with the Lord. But the problem is that the sacrifices, the offerings that were bought were not sufficient. They were not sufficient because they had to keep on being offered. Every time you messed up, every time you sinned, every time you kicked the cat, every time you, whatever it was, you had to go and present another one. But more than that, more than that, oftentimes even the offerings that they bought were blemished. Either because of her sinful heart that wants to keep the best for ourselves, or simply because of the fact that if you know anything about animals, you're never going to find a one that is a perfect specimen in every way. Just like there are no perfect people. It's a problem. In these chapters, we actually find ourselves uh, uh, confronted with several principles that were not only vital for the people of Israel back then to understand, but actually for us today, we also need to grasp. To reflect on them just quickly, uh, the first is that we learn that those who are God's people are set apart and are to live distinct lives that reflect the character of God to a watching world. 
We've already talked about this briefly. But, but being connected with God has certain requirements and expectations. If you're part of a set-apart holy people, then you reflect the character of God for a watching world to see. More than that, the people of Israel needed to understand that we need to understand that, that we learn here that leaders should rightly be held to a higher standard. We need godly, faithful leaders. And we ought to be careful who we set in positions of spiritual leadership and leadership at all levels. It's a reminder of the necessity of that for the well-being of the people. But we also see here, we learn in these chapters that we, that we need to worship God aright. That the right way to come before God in worship back then and still, I would suggest today, is that our worship should first of all reflect the greatness of who God is. The people of Israel had to understand who it was they were worshiping if they were to worship him aright. It's part of the reason why Jesus talks about the fact that, that, that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter how zealous you are if you're not worshiping the true God. If your worship does not reflect the greatness of who he is. Friends, if your God is too small, if your God is too small, then we are worshiping something other than the one true God. And we're actually committing idolatry. Our worship should reflect the greatness of who God is. More than that, it should involve bringing our very best to God. Have you ever thought about that? Here are the people of Israel. They were instructed to bring the best. But they often fell into the habit of bringing whatever was most convenient. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have the same calling that we are to bring our best in worship to God. Now, we don't bring sacrifices and offerings, but we still are to bring our best. Let me just challenge us if we kind of every week find ourselves dragging ourselves into church or if you're at home watching the service and you just rolled out of bed five minutes before the service started, you're still in your fluffy slippers. You're rubbing uh, stuff out of your eyes. You've got your cell phone in front of you because you're checking Facebook as you're watching the service. I would suggest that we're, we're bringing something less than our best to worship. What do we do to prepare ourselves to gather together as God's people to exalt his great name? But these passages also show us that there is a costliness, a sacrificial nature to worship. If we had time, we'd dig into that more. But you see, while all of this is true, while what we've just talked about is true, it comes as implications from these passages. If we stop there, we have missed the whole thing that the book of Leviticus is teaching us. Because as we started, we saw that our holy God calls his people to be holy and to live in a relationship with him by means of a holy mediator and a holy sacrifice. But we've also seen that there are huge problems with that because we're not holy, because our leaders are not holy, because our sacrifices, our worship, it, 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 it's not holy. This very truth was given to point the people of Israel and us today to our ultimate need. You see, our holy God requires this holiness. 
but we are not holy. Our holy God requires a a, a righteous, a holy mediator, but our, our, our leaders are not holy enough. Our God is holy, but no gift or sacrifice or offering that we can bring can ever suffice to atone for our sin and to open up fellowship with our God. But that's exactly the beauty of these passages. Because you see, the calling, the mediator, the sacrifice, all point us to our need for Christ. And they point us to the fact that he is the ultimate fulfillment of our need. And I want to point you back one more time into Leviticus 22. And right at the end, because the beautiful thing is even here in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, we see that need pointed, pointing us to Christ. See, holiness reveals our neediness. It points us to Christ. We saw in Leviticus 19:2, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Well, right at the end of Leviticus 22, verse 32, we read this, And you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, this is obscured a little bit in our English texts. You shall be holy is the Hebrew word kadosh. For I, the Lord your God, am holy, kadosh. In Leviticus 22, and you shall not profane my holy, my kadosh name, that I may be sanctified, kadosh, among the peoples of Israel. I, the Lord, I am the Lord who, who sanctifies, kadosh, you. What am I saying? The word sanctified and sanctifies here are from that same Hebrew word. Literally, he's saying, be made holy. And so he is declaring here, I am the Lord who makes you holy. It's not about keeping the instructions, the commands, the offerings. It's not about finding the best leader you possibly can who comes closest to the mark. The Lord says, you shall be holy for I am holy. And by the way, Folks, know this. You can't be holy. But because I love you and I'm so gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, I will make a way for you to be holy. To be holy. Oftentimes, people look at the Old Testament and they say, oh, you know, God's angry in the Old Testament. I like the New Testament because there he's a God of no. No, it's the same God from Genesis to Revelation. And we see his grace and his mercy, his love and his compassion all the way through. Our God calls his people to be holy, to live in a relationship to him by means of a holy mediator and a holy sacrifice. But our hope has never been in having a priest or a religious leader that is good enough for us. It's never been in keeping these instructions, these commands perfectly enough or trying to do things in our own effort. And some of us this morning need to understand that. But listen to this. To be in a right relationship with a holy God, we must be holy. And so God, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, sent his son Jesus 
for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness, the holiness of God. What we could not do for ourselves, God has done for us in Christ. More than that, the New Testament points us to the fact that to be righteous to be in a right relationship with a holy God, we need this holy mediator and this holy sacrifice. So again, God sent his son, Jesus. Look at what First Peter has to say. Know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And as Hebrews 9 tells us, in Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not, offer, uh, not of this creation, he entered once for all, didn't have to keep on coming back, once for all into the holy places, not by the means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing for us eternal redemption. Not, not a short term, but eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. What am I saying here? What is the book of Hebrews saying? What is the book of First Peter saying? It's saying that Christ himself is our mediator, our great high priest, and he made an offering not of cows, bulls, or sheep but he made an offering of himself, a pure and holy and unblemished and spotless sacrifice that we might be holy before a holy God. You know, sometimes I'm taken off guard when someone speaks to me in an unexpected way. I wonder, do I really measure up to their expectations I'm sure that we all at times feel that same way, but get this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are declared holy as he is holy. You have been set apart to live a life of worship that is distinct from the people around us. That reflects the amazing character of our God. And and that's something that the world desperately, desperately needs to see. The God of the universe has made You, through Christ, holy because of this mediator, this great high priest who has given himself to pay your debt, to die your death, to bear your sin. And who was raised again to life victorious. It's what we're going to be focusing on in these coming weeks as we move through Good Friday and Easter and celebrate together. Let me close with this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Know that God has made you holy through Christ. And through the power of his Holy Spirit at work in you, he calls you 
and empowers you to live a life that is distinct, that reflects through your worship, but not just worship on Sunday morning, through every aspect of your life, a life of worship that puts on display the greatness of our God. And if you're here this morning, and you've never yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then know this. You cannot be holy by your own method. You cannot get to God any other way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because there's no other way to access a holy God. And so my prayer for you today would be if you have never received the salvation and forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers because he has died in your place and risen again victoriously, that today would be the day of salvation. Friends, would you join me in prayer as we give thanks? Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you that what we could not do for ourselves, you have done for us through Christ. You have made those of us who are in him holy and righteous in your sight. Thank you that you delight to forgive our sins, not because you turn a blind eye, but because you have paid for them through the blood of Christ. Lord, I pray that those of us who you have declared holy would learn in increasing measure to walk by your Spirit and to put your greatness on display for a watching world to see. Forgive us for times when we fail to take you at your word, when we read it and we say, oh, but I'm not holy. And forget all that you have done. But Lord, finally, I would pray, should any be watching online or here in person, be still trying to measure up by their own methods, be trying to look to a mediator rather than Christ or a sacrifice and offering a religious practice of their own making. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, what we have talked about this morning, would convict them in such a way that they would see that there is no other way but Jesus Christ. And that today, they would cry out to you saying, here I am, Lord. I renounce all my feeble efforts, and I trust Christ alone as Savior. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand one more time and sing as we go close.
thank you, Lord, for just coming for us and for being the one that we give all the glory to. So I pray this week, Lord, that you would just keep everything that we've heard in our hearts and in our minds. All these things in your name I pray. Amen. So everyone, thank you for joining us. I challenge us all this week to reflect on all the glory of God that we saw and the things that Tim spoke to us about how we should live and reflect what we deserve to give you. So go in peace.